This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. Let's go to the bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network. We're talking with the great Terry Francona. I know everybody poo-poos baseball fights. They're like, hey, you go out there and everybody's just talking yeah. and shoving. But when you get out there, man, those guys are big. They they get after yeah. it. And when they get after it, man, look out. It makes you a little nervous. Robin Ventura still won't talk about Nolan Ryan to, to this day. He, he wants <laughs> nothing with that conversation. Listen to the bullpen with Adam the Bull on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, 60 years ago, the English Top Flight's 10 Boxing Day games produced 66 goals. Eight out of the 10 went over five and a half, five over six and a half, three over seven and a half, two over nine and a half, and one over ten and a half. These days, things are a little different, but there are still some surprises, and the trick is always as better is to try and find them. This is Betting Weekly Premier League show with myself, Dan Robert, alongside me, Nigel Seeley, and what I think is Jack right. <laughs> Jack, how how are you? How's your day started and what on earth are you wearing? Festive greetings, fellas. Yeah. Um, th- this is a fantastic Rudolph Udi and it's very, very nice and snug. Are, are you having that, Nigel? No, not really. I was a bit shocked <laughs> when, the, when, the, when the camera came on. I know it's Christmas, we're really, getting away with it, but uh, I was going to wear mine, Jack. That's the only trouble. I was going to wear mine, man, but... Uh, I know I'll let you. I'll let you do it. But uh, I remember that sixty years ago, that that week. I remember that weekend. I played the unders in all of them. And um, <laughs> the reason it was a weather play. It was a weather play. Like the snow. It was. A, it was a very bad winter that year. And uh, I obviously played on the snow, so I didn't didn't get it right. What was it? Nineteen fifty. Nineteen sixty three. 63. I remember it well. It was a yeah. real bad winter, 63. Yeah. A lot of snow. One of, I played the unders weather game. What one, one of the games did actually go unders. Uh, anyway. That was the one I wasn't uh, on. That was the one you were on. <laughs> I wasn't on that one. <laughs> Doubled up on that one. Season's greetings, uh, one and all. Uh, look, that might have been uh, a little unusual even back then. Uh, today's a bit different, but we are seeing an awful lot of goals. But this is a, a an idiosyncratic date, Nigel, isn't it, in the Canada? Because most other leagues across the world do not play on Boxing Day and England has got this peculiar tradition and years ago it used to be Christmas Day and Boxing Day. I mean, do we look for anything different? Is there an angle in because it's just Boxing Day or is it just as we always look to try and find value plays? I think it's the latter. We've got to look for value plays all the time. I don't, I don't think we should look really too much into the fixture list. I think it may be more so in like lower English leagues. You know, players that have got injuries and small squads and players... Who perhaps don't have the conditioning and the, <laughs> the coaching, the Jack Wrights of the of the of the, of the football league? Uh, they the conditioning like me. You know, I go I, when I have a heavy night. I go into the sauna. I come out. Do a, <laughs> sample, I have a conditioner. I have someone who uh, manicures me and, and and does my hair. Jack Wright obviously wakes up and puts on his ooki or whatever he's called. Uh, but it, but it, <laughs> yeah, very different. But I, I think I think I think it really should about the value. I mean, it's it's a great all the all the football fans love it. I I I despise yeah. games and football matches on Boxing Day. I really do. I I'm not sure. I want to stay at home. There's so much sport going on all around the world. You've got you know the big horse racing day here as well. So I don't like going to the football matches. The travels a nightmare. Everyone's out. And it's, I'm like the sort of the, the Grinch of this Christmas <laughs> period. I don't like it. But um, I, I think the one thing we're finding now, and and and, and I'm gonna you know I've had a good weekend. 
uh, all my picks, not only in the Premier League, but a good weekend last week and a good couple of weeks. I'm, I'm tending to find now, especially that the teams that you you expect to go the course are really finding their their feet now. And the teams that the small squad have been punching away. This is where the games come thick and fast. So obviously you had a game on Saturday, and a game on Monday, uh, a game on Tuesday, sorry. And then you have another match, very, very quick period over the New Year and Christmas period. And you tend to find the teams with the biggest squads and the teams that have got the better players and the ones who have been there and seen it done it will come good. So the form book really does sort of now start to take shape from now into sort of the end of the season. Where, and you, you'll get a lot of teams now sort of in the early part of the New Year who actually sort of already think, well, we're done for the year. We're, we're down in tools and that, that will happen. So um, yeah, um, not really too much on the way of that, of the fixture itself, but I think uh, as always, you've got to look for the value. Yeah. We'll look at the title race towards the end of the show. Jack, what's your thoughts? I mean, I think Nigel makes a good point about lower leagues because, you know, we joke about players conditioning, but when you start to slip down to third tier, fourth tier, and in England, of course, there's betting available on national league, which is fifth tier and below. And that, and that can potentially affect players. I mean, is there anything that you look at from a Premier League point of view, just generally when it comes to boxing day fixtures? No, I think that the main point, has been made is the squads, isn't it, these days? And also the fact that you've got, we've now got the ability to make more subs. So therefore that even heightens the fact that there's quality coming off the bench and um, the, the bigger sides can exploit that. The bigger sides in each of the divisions can exploit that. But obviously in the Premier League, we've got, um, you know, some squads have got, can put out two uh, 11s over the course of the season. Probably one would be up the top five and one would be half midway down the table. So, yeah, absolutely. That's where the advantage comes in. And I think it used to be a case of maybe where there's a lot of wear and tear on the pitches. We're going a long way back. That's not an issue in the Premier League now either, is it? The stadiums are so big. There's no kind of wind issues in most of them. So, uh, yeah, I think Nigel's right. As you go lower down, a little bit of a rough on the pitch and a little bit of uh, say a gale force wind from one end and a slope and all that kind of thing taking account also it's some conspiracy theories as well that go rife these days over on twitter and you've oh this this club's got a, like a covid infection like and like they're going to be fielding their, their their kids and those things just to try and kind of keep a handle on and uh, obviously some turn out to be fairly true but certainly look at team news uh, try and get early in on it um, and get ahead of the the, the curve but um yeah be, be careful not to believe everything you, you hear. Uh, let's start our plays, shall we? We've got some really good selections from the boys over the course of the next 25 minutes or so. We're going to start with Newcastle against Nottingham Forest. This is an early game on the Boxing Day, the Tuesday, 7.30 Eastern. Newcastle are minus 205. Forest are plus 600. The draw plus 340 here. I'm intrigued by the first play of the day from Jack here because we've just talked about injuries and so on. For me, Newcastle running on empty a little bit. Um, Forrest, though, were Bournemouth's latest victims. No immediate uh, manager bounce for the tricky trees. Um, I, yeah, you, you'll have to convince me with this one, Jack. Go on. Okay, that's what I'm here for. You called me fearless going for West Ham uh, against Man United. Yes, I did, so and you one got that one good. spot on. I did, I did, yeah. So we'll go again with this one. And uh, uh, Newcastle minus one on the Asian handicap is the play. Minus 125 versus Forrest. Uh, and I absolutely hear you about the Newcastle setup. The way I'm looking at them at the moment, I'm effectively rating them when they're playing home and when they're playing away. And those injuries, I think, to key areas have started to ease a little bit. I'm talking about top of the pitches especially. And I think they'll get chances against Forrest. That's what happens. And they've got both Isaac and Wilson available at this moment in time. They can rotate them. So, uh, obviously, we saw them both on the pitch uh, at the weekend. But we could see them, like, you know, 
one have an hour, one have half hour if needs be in this one, depending on the game state. But I just feel that at home, Newcastle are a completely different animal. Now, whether that's because they get, they've got that extra confidence when they're playing at home, whether that's just because of the fervent support we know they get there, the old cliche being an extra man. Well, you know, at times this season, that would have taken them to like 11 because they've been so short of players. But the 12th man kind of scenario that we, we talk about possibly is in, in full effect at St. James's Park because they've lost their last four away. But here at home, they've won seven straight in the league, which is a phenomenal record. They've only conceded one goal in that period of time as well. So it's not as if they're winning crazy games, three, two, four, three. They're going there and they're more, more often than not winning these games to nil. So they're beating some decent sides at home as well. So they're not just been picking off uh, the lower ranked sides, which Forest are at this moment in time. And they have beaten Villa 5 1, obviously early in the season. But Arsenal, 1 0 in the league as well, where they had to dig deep and, and put in a strong effort. They also beat a Man City in the Cup at St. James as well. So, very strong record. Beat Forest 2 0 in this fixture last season as well. So, they know how to get that done. And we all know about Forest's away record. We talked about it at length last season. We mentioned it this season. Uh, the worst record in the league last season. Only Luton and Sheffield United have picked up fewer points. Um, away from home this season, then they're five, which is terrible. Um, only one win in their last 19 on the road. So that sums up what they're about. Nuno's come in, of course. He's not going to be able to change things overnight as far as that mentality is concerned. And I think we're looking at a side here that expects to win at home against one that probably expects to get beaten away. And I expect that to be... I think they obviously went for it. Nigel nailed it with his uh, analysis of the, the Bournemouth game at the weekend. They did go for it. Obviously, a five-goal thriller there. And they had a man sent off. So, you know, you can read bits and pieces into that. But, you know, they've actually done, done well there. We know they have got a decent record historically at the City ground. But I'm banking on this one, reverting to type and uh, away from home. Newcastle minus one at minus 125 is the play from Jack Lewis. Go on, Nigel. Obviously, there's um, Willie Bolly's out for Forrest, obviously, the suspension, which is a big blow. And uh, I, I I was looking at this match myself and, you know, I wanted to fade Newcastle because of the injuries. That's what I had. thought. That's what yeah, I thought. Yeah, but then I looked at it and the reason why I didn't, and I think this is a crucial factor, is that um, this is a must-win must match for Newcastle. You wouldn't think this is a must-win game for them, but it's a huge win because their fixtures after this, they go to Liverpool away, then they have Sunderland in the FA Cup, which... Is a huge, huge match. Obviously, we talk about FA Cup not being important, but that match is absolutely mm. massive. Then they play uh, Manchester City at home, and then they go to Aston Villa. So if they don't win this game, suddenly Newcastle's season uh, is, it, you know, it's going to be very hard for them to get pick up points in any of those games. Liverpool away, Man City, and Aston Villa away, and then the FA Cup as well. If they get out of the FA Cup, they could be in serious trouble here at Newcastle of having a season that promises so much. It could be absolutely all over. And Eddie Howe, a big price here, if Ten Hag, we're going to come on to him in a little while, but if Ten Hag is, keeps staying and keeps staying and keeps staying as, as it get, keeps getting another week and another week, I tell you what, by by, the, by mid-January, there's a break from the 13th to the 30th of January where, where mm. Newcastle don't play. If they don't win this match and they can lose to Liverpool, get beat by Sunderland in the FA Cup, which they could do, and then lose to Man City and Aston Villa. Eddie Howe is under huge, huge pressure here. It's a great um, point about Sunderland. I think Newcastle could have drawn pretty much any other side in, in that competition, and Eddie Howe could have rotated his side a bit. He can't afford to lose that one for those reasons just mentioned, and the local rivalry, of course, which is huge. Interesting times at Newcastle, certainly Eddie Howe. Um, we shall see what happens over the course of the next few weeks. His former club, Bournemouth, in action against Fulham. This is a Tuesday 10am Eastern game. Bournemouth a plus 118 here. Fulham plus 240. Draw plus 245. Bournemouth unbeaten um, 
in six completed matches, seven if we include uh, the Luton game. Nigel, you cashed the overs in their game against Forest uh, last time out, and you're going for the same again here. Well, it's it's Christmas, isn't it? And then you, you obviously there's a lot of people have a lot of faith and a lot of things. Well, I've been converted. I've, I've gone from uh, uh, I've been converted. I've seen the light. <laughs> Hallelujah! I've seen the light. I've gone from an unders better, and I've gone I've gone to an overs better. And I tell you what, I'm loving it. I'm loving the goals going. It's been a goal. Well, whenever there's a goal, ten minutes out of time. Come on, control gets thrown at the telly. The dog goes for a walk. The dog jumps off. All the stress has just dripped away from you. My hair's growing back. It's good in the world. It's good in the world, Dan. It's fantastic. Anyway, yes, I'm going over two and a half goals. Bournemouth against Fulham, and I'm very surprised by the price actually. Minus one ten. I mean, we've spoken about matches where. You're not going to get those kind of prices about overs this season, and we that was what we highlighted in the Bournemouth or I highlighted in the Bournemouth not the Forest match. And I think this is a, a very similar kind of looker to it. I mean, eleven of the last thirteen Bournemouth matches have cashed over two and a half goals. I mean, five of the last six at home have cashed over two and a half goals. You would have expected the the two and a half goals to probably cash in that Luton game, given the time we had before the Lockyer after the Lockyer incident. Um, if you look at uh, Bournemouth, they scored at least two goals in eight of their last 10 matches. They've scored in all 10 of their last matches. Every single one, Bournemouth have scored. But they've scored at least two in eight of them. And the only two matches where they failed to score two goals was against Manchester City and Liverpool. But they still scored. They still scored against them. Uh, Fulham, we know, in re- you know, the last two matches of Fulham matches have gone under two and a half goals. But in recent weeks, you know, we were saying they were struggling without Mitrovic, but they found the back of the net and scoring goals. Back-to-back five goals in matches. Um, six of their last eight matches have gone over two and a half goals. Bournemouth have got a striker in Solanke who is on fire. I mean, we're talking about players who, who you know, he, he's got an opportunity now to really stake a claim for European championships, you know, I think, for, for England. I think he, he could be a, an outsider to force his way into that squad. Uh, you know, if he, he, he's got, he might go for three strikers if Tony comes back and he's not showing any form. He's been away for a long time. You've got, you've got Solanke, Watkins and... Um, you know, and Harry Kane. So I think he's got a lot to prove here. And I think he'll get an opportunity for England. He's scoring goals, a hat-trick. So be absolutely full of confidence. And I think here, this this here, over two and a half goals, I think it's got that kind of feel. You know, when you look at matchups, you look at Bournemouth and Fulham, they like to play football in a good way. Good good two attack, two attack-minded managers. And I, I just got to think this will be a really end-to-end, end-to-end game. Really exciting. We talk about teams that are really going into the season with, you know, the second half of the season who may think, you know, we, we're safe. Bournemouth and Fulham, a couple of wins away from that sort of category already. And uh, I think this will be a good watch. So over two and a half goals. I'm loving overs, loving life. <laughs> Things are great. Over two and a half goals, minus 110 on my Christmas list. Um, Bournemouth, uh, I've just got some revised prices from John who does our graphics, plus 120 uh, now just to win uh, this game. And Jack, you put Bournemouth up on the money line, which I think is a great play. Was plus 118 Oh, here now. we go. He's, he's, I can't help myself. He's moved on to you, though. That's good. That's, <laughs> that's Andy. That's Andy, Jack. I think yeah. this could be play of the weekend, <laughs> Jack. Oh, be nil nil now. Um, hang on, I'm just going to look through the fixtures. I'm going to sign. He looks like the man. For, uh, to be fair, I'm just before we move on to Jasper, just Dan Robert. Dan Robert has gone for the old, uh, the man from Milk Tray stroke Ten Hag look today. <laughs> ten Hag look. It's a roll neck. You love the roll neck. He's a professional Ten Hag look like. No wonder you want him to stay in a job. No wonder you want him to stay in a job. You can make, you can open up betting shops in in Dewsbury. Ten Hag, brilliant. 
Come on, this is a this is a professional handicapper show. Jack, talk us through your your right, Bournemouth yeah. money line pick. Yeah, well, we talked about value earlier, and this one jumped off the page at me here or off the screen as is these days, isn't it? But um, it's yeah, it looks cracking value. I think they've been under undervalued here completely for their their current form. Um, been in superb superb form. We mentioned it, the best format of any side over the last six completed games, winning five of those, only drawing one. Uh, great win at the weekend, 3-2. We obviously knew it was potentially a tricky visit going to Forest under a new manager um, with all the, you know, the, the love for Cooper there and the, the crowd would get behind them. So they, they kind of coped with that and came out and they kept kind of getting pegged back and they kept doing enough, didn't they? So that was a great stuff for them. And, and Nigel's mentioned it. The, the key thing here for me is a, a striker that is in absolute the form of his life. You know, we saw him not really get much of a chance at Chelsea. Liverpool dropped down to the championship and scored 29 goals, I think it was, in their promotion season. And uh, this season, 12 goals already, which is twice as many as he scored last season. A hat-trick, his first Premier League hat-trick at the weekend. And um, he's only two goals behind Haaland. He's, he's the closest challenger to him, which is sensational stuff. So, fair play. They've got him firing. They're obviously seeing him as the threat and they're feeding him and he's, he's doing the business. So, Absolutely great stuff. Um, I said they're, they're in, in top, top form. So, you know, against the Fulham side that Nigel said, but they went crazy, didn't they? It's a couple of 5 nil wins and uh, are now sort of reverted back to type. We're, we're, we lost the last two. So, um, Bournemouth won this one in the fixture last season, but it was as recently as April. So, it's a fairly uh, close form line that we can take on that. Although things have changed a bit and I'd suggest that Bournemouth are in a much more um, advanced position to what they were at that point in time. They're certainly getting to grips with, with life under Iraola and playing some good stuff and winning games. And I'd suggest that Fulham have regressed a bit um, with a little bit of a peak and a trough for it. But uh, obviously, you know, they've, they've got from the difference between there and now, no Mitrovic, which is key. We've talked about that a lot as well. So, um, yeah, for me, they've um, it all points towards the form team. And then I've got to go with it at plus money, um, plus 120 now, Bournemouth to win. Keep uh, it Solankin, yeah, Solankin certainly is plus 430 to score first and plus 155 to score at any time. Been in tremendous form, as the boys have been pointing out. Uh, in, in a game, you expect goals as well. That's probably not a bad bet. You know, sometimes yeah. when you look at these matches and you 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 don't really think there's a, there's goals. And given the way the Premier League is at the moment and the high scoring factor of what these top goal scorers are doing week in and week out, that's probably not a bad bet because, you know, if, if this was in Haaland and Salah in in the rich frame of form yeah. that they were in, yeah, they'd probably be yeah. minus two fifty, yeah, minus yeah. two seventy five to score at any time. So any time. They'd be minus money. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Manchester United, Aston Villa. Uh, next up, um, uh, I'll be in the dugout for this one, 3pm yeah. uh, Eastern on Tuesday. You know, it's plus 165, Villa plus 160. you got to deliver the milk tray first before you do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, the prices have changed a little bit here because Manchester United were favourites. And I was going to ask Nigel to explain the odds for us, but there has been money for Villa over the course of the last sort of 18 hours uh, also, but even so, I mean, on current form, I know this is still United at home, but there've been no great shakes this season, Nigel. I mean, is money still expected for United? Does does the market still work that way as it has done for twenty odd years, or even longer? I mean, can can you square the circle how that how the market makers have come to these prices? Well, they know their market's better than me. They know their... their is it their... money, though? Is it, is it money rather than well, form? I think it's, that's I what think I'm saying. When I, whenever, when I was an odds compiler, which was many years ago, and I was a betting odds compiler, you knew what price you could get up. You can use what price you could put fashionable football teams or fashionable tennis players to get money with them. So you knew that you could see money for Manchester United at a certain price. You see money for Liverpool price 
and you would probably make them a little bit bigger, but you knew the public would be supporting them. So it's tennis players, Federer, Nadal, you knew that they, they might, but you knew if you, if you took, if we went, went too big a price, you'd see the same money as you would do if you took a lower price. So I think there is that kind of factor around fashionable teams when they're going through a bad spell, the public perception is, well, they're going to come good at some stage and they still put their money down. I'm not quite just sure. on that. I mean, just, just on that. And, and the sort of same applies to Villa in a way, just off the back of a really frustrating and disappointing draw, there's maybe that recency bias that would persuade market makers and betters to to, to leave them alone, to push them out. Well, they? you would say that if they did, if they lost. I think the fact they scored in the 95th minute and then they, they come into this game with a feel-good factor, the fans were cheering them off the pitch. It was an unbelievable you know, performance and everyone was clapping them off standing sound innovation. If they had lost 1-0, that would have been different. I think that they would have come in with a complaint. And it's a very short turnaround. You're talking 72 hours. It's a, it's a big turnaround. So, I think that goal refreshed them. I think that's a big goal of the season. There's so many late goals in big matches. Liverpool scored a lot of gate goals, Arsenal, and obviously now Aston Villa. So, I mean, this is an inter- real interesting one because I I like Villa here, draw no better, minus 102. But there is a kind of thing in my mind thinking, I don't really want to go too heavy on it. You know, can we, we, we're in that sort of uncertain area of Aston Villa. Is the, is the one-one draw against Sheffield United a good result or is it like... Are they feeling the pressure? We don't know. And always, and 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 can Man United? I know they they haven't scored in four games. They've got problems in, uh, uh, in, in scoring goals. They were terrible against Bournemouth, but then they could throw in a performance against they did against Chelsea. So it's like a, it's a real, real difficult one. I've just really done this because I just think it's a value price. Um, if I if I had a little bit more confidence in Aston Villa, I would probably go in a lot heavier because I think the price is, is still wrong. But it's minus 102 to draw no bet. I mean, if you look at the records of the two teams coming into it, you can only bet a case for, for Aston Villa. I mean, no goals. And the goal-scoring problem for Man United is a huge problem. Aston Villa got goals from all over the pitch. I know they, they got a draw, but they, they dominated possession. They should have had a goal that was was ruled out, which wasn't a goal. I think that would have, which should have been a goal. I think that will would have changed the, the whole way of the game. I, I, I count myself a little bit unlucky not to cash on the draw no bet. It was nil-nil going into 10 minutes. You would expect the home team to push forward, and then they got caught in the counter-attack. They had 78% of possession, had lots of shots. Manchester United, on the flip side of that, were absolutely dreadful against West Ham. I mean, dreadful. Um, Rashford, I don't know what, I know I know he's gone to the same hairdressers as Jack, but uh, other than that, I mean, he's he's terrible. I mean, he's just, I don't know what's going on there, why he's coming. There's problems all over the pitch. They don't look a happy bunch. They're not playing well. They're not a team. There's clear problems there. And I just think on the prices here, minus 102, Aston Villa represents some value. Now, remember on this show, we give three bets that we we pick. Some weeks it's hard. You know, you've got to find a third one or a second one or, you know, you've got confidence fit. But I just think there's a wrong on the odds because of the things I said. Fashionable team against a team coming in with a slightly disappointing result. But I, I it, it is a bet that you look at it and think, how can they be that price? And then Man United put in a performance and you're not surprised they win 2-0. And Aston Villa, and you say, "Oh, we, I told you, Villa wouldn't stay the course." I think for Villa, for the public to get really buying into Villa, we need to see what they do in the next four to five weeks. But we know after this, their fixture this is on paper relatively easy. This is their toughest fixture for about six or seven matches going to Old Trafford, and really in the state of things, our old is Old Trafford a tough place to go. Three mm-hmm. 0 last time out against Bournemouth in the Premier League. It's going to be an interesting one. United versus Villa, always a good game to watch as well. 3pm Eastern on Tuesday. We skip to Thursday and the boys have both got to play 
in the Brighton Spurs game here, which is 2.30 on the Thursday. And again, the prices have been tweaked overnight. Brighton plus 160, Spurs plus 155, the draw plus 280 here. And the goal line is under an over three and a half. Uh, for me, Jack, Brighton probably deserved that draw against Palace, but no more looking at some of the factors. I thought mm. Spurs were lucky to beat Everton. An awful lot of metrics suggested that Everton should have got a point. They came on late against Spurs. So this is a, another intriguing one. And I have to reveal to our listeners and viewers that initially uh, Jack privately sent me a money line pick on Spurs. But then when I when I looked at it again in, in the EPL group, he changed it to an Asian line, draw no bet effectively. So you're going to have to explain that one to us, Jack. Why are we not going Spurs money line? I think you're probably right to be honest, because I've just got that little time form squiggle next to Spurs at the moment. Yeah, I think you look at Brighton's home record and it's fairly sound. They're not winning many, but they don't get beat that often. And uh, so I think having the safety net at a decent price, it was minus 108 last night. I don't know if that's changed by the sounds of it. It would have changed a little bit, a fraction. But um, yeah, we get the safety net there, of course, of uh, our money back if there's a a, a tie in this. So uh, yeah, I I get what you're saying totally. Looking at, the, I didn't actually see the Tottenham game uh, highlights only, and uh, you look at the stats and the metrics, and it does a point towards them being a bit fortunate to um, get the win. And I think Ange Postecoglou pretty much said the same thing that they won it a different way. In other words, yeah, we got away with one a little bit there, a couple of decisions and that. But Everton are in great form, and I think Everton are stylistically are a different side to pretty much anyone else in the league. They're direct. Uh, they get stuck in. Uh, they don't mind not having the ball uh, and they get it forward as quickly as possible and uh, and look to cause damage in the opposing penalty area. A completely different side, of course, to Brighton. And I did watch that game against Crystal Palace and I thought, especially the first half, they struggled. I thought they, they're neat and tidy, but we've seen it before. Uh, this is a bit more like what they were like before De Zerbi came in and went on that stunning run um, and that where they, they play it in front of you. They play, you know, neat tidy football, try and pull you apart. But if you stay st structured and rigid, then they're resorting to a bit of a pot shot or, or it breaks down around the penalty area. So um, against Spurs, I think Spurs have obviously got a, a, a lot more about them than Crystal Palace have certainly going forward in Richarlison, who got on the score sheet again at the weekend. He's now scored four in his last three. That's one more than he'd scored in his previous 40. So he having him back amongst the goals and with confidence, I think he's a different player when he's got that air of confidence back. And we saw that when he was at Everton and it seemed to be him scoring every week. We talked about Solanke earlier. Charleston was at that point kind of, what, a couple of seasons ago where you knew, Everton goal, you knew what was going to come up. It was Richarlison. So uh, having him back, great. Son, we all know about. Uh, Kuliseski as well. They've got those forward areas where they can certainly pick off Brighton, who will be very advanced. We know how they play. So I think stylistically, this one suits Spurs to go and uh, get at Brighton further up the pitch. So they're, they're more clinical in front of goal. Um, and that's what wins games. They did that. We saw that against um, Everton as, as well as you, know, you look at everything else. It's that scoreline that matters. We talk about all the new metrics, but the oldest one in the book is the most important one. And they've now say won three straight wins and they've kind of recovered from that wobble. And I think under um, we talked about the rest period and the fact that people games are going so quick. And we touched on this one. This one is a lot later than the others. So there's, there is that decent gap. So this is effectively more like a standard weekend as far as the game is concerned here. So that won't be too much of a problem. Um, I thought Brighton made quite a few mistakes. That's the kind of final element I'd like to point out, that they did like make quite a few mistakes. Deserby said the same thing as well, and they kind of went unpunished. They got caught out eventually. But I think do that against Spurs in those in their own um, final third, then I think they'll get caught out. And uh, yeah, I think um, I'm, I'm 
liking the fact that we can get the Tino bet on side rather than the more ballsy play of the uh, straight money line that you've revealed. <laughs> if you have played the money line on Spurs this season, you are in profit, but we've got draw no bet. Uh, Asian handicap zero minus one oh eight. Uh, Nigel, you've got to play in this one uh, as well, keeping the faith with overs here, but with a bit of a caveat. This is on the Asian line. Yeah, um, just before we go on to that, I mean, we're just talking about the Tottenham, uh, the Everton performance. Everton were brilliant, by the way. Against Tottenham. They should have what they mm. should have won that game. Pickford was outstanding, and, and he played a couple of good saves. But Everton as a team are a real dangerous side at the moment, and I bet them last week at a massive sixty-six to one to win the FA Cup. I think that is huge. They've got to play Crystal Palace away. And I think they can beat Crystal Palace. And you've got some really big all Premier League ties. Big, big Premier League. If they took their 10 points up, they're about eight. They're, but they're, Man United are second favourites for the FA Cup. But Man United are second favourites, 10 to 1, Everton mm. 66 to 1. Yeah, Everton, away, Everton away at Crystal Palace. But then you've got Liverpool or Arsenal going to go. Some big, big matches. Of teams, big teams are going to look, go out early. Mm. So I actually had a look. A lot worse than Everton. During the week, actually, or last weekend, I thought the way Everton are playing is very good. I actually looked at them to finish top half, so 10th or better. And they were, I think it was plus 900. They were 9 to 1, 10 to 1 to, to um, finish top half. And bearing in mind, as you said, if they get some of those points back, that would pretty much put them there anyway. So um, they continue that form. That was well, a, it's, a well look, look I, I'm, I'm glad you're looking at other things, but I'm disappointed you don't look at the running order because there's a little Everton section later in the show. Anyway, is uh, it? Well, sort of, sort of, sort of. Uh, Nigel, continue. I you about, we said to talk about toffees. I thought about we're going to have our Christmas <laughs> puddings. Toffee, toffee puddings. Why do we? Anyway, why do we? Why do we like over three Brighton Spurs? I like over three because I think the two sides will match up perfectly, as Jack said. I think the two managers play an attacking football in a, in a style that is great to watch. I know the goals have dried up in Brighton matches in recent weeks compared to what they were at the start, but they still have scored in every single match. In, I think in the season barring one and in 35 consecutive matches barring one. And that was the match that I bet on the overs. So that was, that was, <laughs> that, was that shows you well, my luck is on that. Um, the other thing I would say is that if you look at this match on, on the statistics, now this is purely mathematical stuff here. The price for uh, over three goals is what I like. It was minus 125 last night. I would expect that's probably moved a little bit because of the, the, the three and a half has actually moved as well. But it was minus 125. I haven't had the chance to check this morning, but it's still there. But that is three goals with a push. So that is uh, saying it's a 55% probability that that will come in. Minus 125 represents 55%. Uh, 14 of 25 matches for uh, Brighton this season have been at least, uh, three goals or more. And that includes Europa League matches and and cup matches which you've not really taken into account much with Premier League we should do and for Tottenham it's been 13 of 19 so it's 27 of 44 which works out a 61% probability in all their matches and we've got quite a lot of data there we've got 44 matches it's not like we're doing it off a, off a, of a base of 10 matches or 15 matches the 44 matches three or more goals combined in Brighton or Tottenham matches this season has come in at 61% which works out at minus 160 uh, it's minus 150, isn't it? So it's, it's four to six. So it's uh, minus 150. So minus one, minus, minus 152. You get minus 125. So I think there's a smidgen of value in that, that we will get at least a push or a win, hopefully a win. But um, I think the line is a little bit wrong. I think this, these two sides will match up. I think it'll be an entertaining watch. I believe there'll be goals. And uh, we know Brighton will score. We know Tottenham will score. And it's just a question whether one of them can score two and I think they can so I'm going to go over three with a push at minus 125 
Uh, yeah, all the stats, as uh, Nigel was suggesting, certainly match up with that particular play. I just want to get your thoughts on the title race after what we saw with Liverpool versus Arsenal at Anfield. City in, Nigel to plus 115, Arsenal in to plus 225, Liverpool out to plus 320, Villa stay the same, plus 1400, City off the back of their World Club Championship win. Uh, any thoughts on how the lines stand when it comes to the Premier League race? Shake it all about. In now, shake it all about. We do the okey and we turn around. <laughs> I, I don't think we, I don't think there's any change. I still think. I mean, I'm not surprised at all that Arsenal have, have come in. They've got a draw at Anfield. Not I mean, surprised. Liverpool have gone out. I mean, is that suggesting that look, that was their chance here? You know, and it's gone I mean, a little bit. No, Liverpool have already gone to Man City. Liverpool, you know, I, I don't think nothing changes really I think I can understand why the market has moved that way because none of the three chasing pack have got a win so they've all got a draw so it's a good result it's a good weekend for Manchester City um we've got to see what Manchester City do when they come back um for me no change whatsoever no no Jack. no no, no difference. yeah um I'm possibly surprised that Villa have stayed that's the only one there uh, yeah I thought they might go out I thought they might be pushed out bit, yeah yeah okay so, um no. and and, th and this is Everton corner you know, you went, you jumped the gun with Everton corner. Are City worth taking on with Everton? Uh, do we think Jack? Go Jack first. Uh, plus four seventy five at Goodison. Draw plus three ten. City minus one sixty seven. Wednesday three fifteen Eastern. Uh, kick off. Both teams to score. Yes, minus one thirty six. Everton plus one minus one twenty. Can Everton um, maybe get a, a result against City? Do you think? They certainly can. Yeah, because I think you know City coming back from from the the World Club Cup. Um, that's not an easy task in itself, is it? They're going to come straight into Goodison Park. So you've got the change of temperature and what they've been used to out there and a very different style. As I've said, Everton are kind of a style on their own at the moment and it's working for them. And I think they've got the confidence that they believe in what Daesh is doing with them and they're seemingly happily playing for him. They've got a decent defensive structure. They've got Calvert-Lewin back on the score sheet as well. Another important one. We keep talking about these strikers, but you know the old saying goes in it hardest job in football is to stick the ball in the back of the net and they've got a striker that on his day is, is one of the best in the Premier League so uh, having that there do you know what yeah I'd, I'd certainly be very very interested on the, the Asian handicap for them Nigel Everton thoughts against City I think it all depends on Haaland I think if Haaland plays then you, the market will go crazy for Man City if the mar if Haaland doesn't play then the market goes crazy for Everton I think um, that's Simple as that is. I mean, that's what's happened in every single Man City game mm. before they went off to their club championships. If Harland, the, the move has been massively against them without Haaland on the team sheet, is that crucial to them? We never thought it would be that season. We thought, you know, I remember having a conversation with you, Dan, saying that you thought that Man City were... I'm not saying this to take the mickey out of you, but you did say you thought that Man City were Makes a better a team without Haaland. <laughs> we, we got enough material for that. We don't need you to do but we, we, we thought we, we thought you said they were a better team with, without No, Haaland. I just said they scored more goals. Well, the, the market doesn't agree with it. You know, Haaland is... The, he is probably the most key player to the market, I believe. It, it, even even with all the talent that Manchester City have at disposal, Haaland with him, the, everyone wants the betters want to be with him about and they don't. So I think that really depends on that. Uh, they've got a brilliant record here as well, Man City. I think they've won something like that. I think they've won the last six. Yeah, they won the title there last season, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, they were over the line anyway, but they lifted the title. Yeah, they've done well. But uh, I, I think it really, honestly, if you if you think there's going to be a shock, uh, there could potentially be a shock. I think you need um, Haaland uh, out of the team. We'll watch the team with interest. 
Go on. Doubts about Roger as well, isn't there? He's picked yeah. up with a bit of an injury over there. So, again, he's been another key player for him. So, but yeah, it, market move certainly for the Haaland one, doesn't it? Time to get some best bets uh, from the boys when it comes to the Boxing Day fixtures in the EPL. Nigel, what's your best play for December the 26th? It's it's the festive period. It's the time for giving. It's the time for, for <laughs> leaky defences. And it's the time of a new me. I'm a more calmer, chilled man because I'm an overbetter. Over two and a half goals. Bournemouth against Fulham, minus 110. Uh, Jack, what's your best play for Boxing Day? My best bet's in that one as well, actually. So, yeah, Bournemouth to win. What Something we did mention about Solanke, he scored in both games against uh, Fulham last year as well. So, uh, we'll add that as a as a as an extra. But that's my best bet, Bournemouth to win. Are you staying in that attire all day, Jack? What are you up to today? What are you up to over Christmas? Is that the uniform the, uh, for today? Yeah, down the pub? Down the garden centre in a little while. And... Uh, <laughs> You've got. got a job sitting on Father Christmas by Father Christmas in the shopping centre. He's got. He's got. To sit, he's, got no. to sit, he's got to sit there with all the no. other elves. And, and from doing that busy now. night tonight, he's got to get on that slate. <laughs> <laughs> go and deliver them presents. Go, go and sort out. Uh, listen, season's greetings to both of you. I hope you have a really good Christmas. And likewise, uh, all of our listeners and uh, viewers, Nigel, Jack, thanks for your company. Good luck with your picks. That is a wrap for week 19 of Betting Weekly Premier League show. We will be back for all the best bets ahead of the weekend. The fixtures come thick and fast in the English top flight. For now, though, it is happy holidays from all of us. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love Betting Weekly Game Bet Match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider.